Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Curious Cats podcast with me, Ricky Spears and Chris Walton. Today we've got on Ephraim Brynin. He was a contestant on the second series of SAS Who Dares Wins. He, uh, along with uh, another contestant from the show, have started their own charity called Strong Men, which we uh, will let Ephraim tell you all about. Me and Chris wanted to have him on to hear more about his story and all the work that um, his charity are doing because they're trying to uh, they're, they're a very new charity and they're trying to get things going. So we wanted to hear more about what they're all about. So please enjoy. Ephraim, thanks a lot for coming on, mate. Pleasure. Um, I think it's probably best place to start if you tell us really about the charity, what it's all about, sort of your journey into it and how the whole thing sort of come about really. Okay, so I'll start that journey for me in 2013. Uh, October the 15th, my son was killed in Afghanistan. He was serving with the Brigade Reconnaissance Force. It was his second uh, deployment to Afghanistan. Uh, so he was killed. Um, then fast forward a little bit. Dan, who's my colleague at the charity, Dan Cross, in 2015, his wife was murdered. Uh, in 2016, I took part in SAS Who Dares Wins, which was in Ecuador. Uh, Dan was the series after me, so I believe he was 2017. Uh, and after both of it, one of the, the guys on the show, the DS Ollie, um, Dan approached him and said, look, I've got this idea. I'd like to help people, basically, in my situation. But I like to do it slightly alternatively, not non-counselling, non-medicated, to use some of the, the, the techniques I use, which was exercise, uh, nutrition, well-being, that sort of thing, right. to try to push out to other people. Ollie was great idea, love to help you. I'll put you in contact with Ephraim. I think he'd be interested. Uh, and then that journey began. So we began discussing what we were going to do. Uh, we registered as a community interest company on the 1st of May 2018. That enabled us to push out there, get get a bit of a profile, a bit of social media coverage. We were also awarded um, £10,000 by the National Lottery Awards for All, which helped us buy domain names, um, some computer equipment, get some help to set up the website, get some, gear, um, some kit and put the first event on. So we put our first event on in April 2019. We had about 20 guys join us in Snowdon. We then, Dan and I, uh, along with Ollie, we kind of realised pretty quickly that what we wanted to do was was transition from a CIC to a full registered charity. It was a lot more transparent to everybody. Was you, Dan and Ollie, all at that event as well? And you yes. Went out on it as well, yeah, you? so the three of us were there. We also had a couple of other guys <coughs> from the, it would have been, I think, the fourth series of, of SAS, which was Mark, Milo, Corbin, his brother, um, they were all part of us, a part of that first event, which was great. I saw this actually on social media at mm. the time. Yeah, um, so so Mark lost his wife. Yeah, uh, and Milo and Corbin lost their brother. He was a, a Royal Marine again, serving yeah. in Afghanistan. So they joined us um, on that event. They also did a, a a Mont Blanc climb. I can't remember the exact year, so that if they can forgive me on that, I think it was about shortly, shortly after. It was probably last year, which is what 2019. So they helped mm. us raise. Um, just short of about £15,000 by doing that, which helps us to, 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 to provide more of these courses. Yeah. To put it into context, we have, last year we ran two, so we had about, mm, let's think, 50 people join us on those two courses. We have the next one in a month's time where we've got another group joining us and we've got four planned for this year, which will probably enable us to take 100 guys away. Yes. But on top of that, we've got 
750 additional people who want to join us. So if you work out the maths, we can see 100 a year and we've already got 750. You can quickly work out that we need to sort of increase our funding, increase our uh, our availability of the courses. And of course, yeah. we're not really very well known. We've been going as a charity since July last year. We're very new. We're very inexperienced in that respect. We've not pushed out marketing-wise. We've not looked for people really to come and on the courses. <laughs> It's just kind of evolved yeah. and happened organically. And we have, the thing is, with something like loss or bereavement, it can affect people. For example, today we had someone fill in an application form and send it to us and they lost their father in 1991. Yeah. So you're looking at nearly 30 years ago. Uh, and that need is still there. I mean, in the same breath, you can have someone who lost someone at Christmas. Yeah. Um, so it just affects people all across the board. And it's one of those things that, Unless you've experienced it, and most people have to some extent, then you don't really understand the whole, the benefit or, or, the, yeah. or the challenges that come with it. So we want to evolve the charity. We're pushing out for additional funding to enable us to run more courses. By doing that, we need more awareness. We need a higher profile. We need to get people engaged with what we do, interested in what we do, and understanding what we do, because it is a very different process. A lot of things that are out there are, are not necessarily geared towards men, yeah. as with a lot of things. Because men typically don't really ask for them. They don't understand that something's available and, and it might really suit them. If you said to me, for example, if my wife said, right, I book you in to see a counsellor on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, I wouldn't go. Yeah, It's that simple. Yeah. If I want to do something, it's got to be something I want to do and not feel like I'm going to yeah. the school headmaster and be told off. But you if know? someone says, I've booked you to go climb Snowden with a group of other blokes, you'd yeah. probably be interested. I think, yeah, all right, I'll give that a go. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. I mean, I... What evolved in my more recent history is I, I had prostate cancer in 2000. Well, I was diagnosed with it in 2017, 18 maybe. Must be, anyway, a couple of years ago. Uh, and I think that's one of these things was as a result of stress and everything really? that had happened. So yeah. this was post-show. Yeah. Right. So I was lucky. I said I was lucky on the show. I had a couple of health care issues on the show. The doctor, Sandeep, said, well, it could be anything from the triviest thing to the worst thing I'm sure it isn't but when you get back go and see your GP so I rang up my GP didn't really take me seriously because I was at the time 44 no history of cancer in that particular cancer which was prostate cancer in the, yeah. in the family uh, I'm not in a risk you know I'm not overweight uh, black guys suffer more than white guys for some reason don't really know what that is I wasn't really in the risk category and he didn't really take me seriously until I could produce this letter and say look this is from a professional doctor can you just uh, get me tested and, and to test for it it's a very simple it's a blood test I actually had my results this morning from my most recent test and I'm still clear thankfully but it literally is a blood test called a PSA test yeah I've they had that same test actually. yeah it's really easy and then they look at the, the number if the number is high then they think let's look at it further yeah. which they did a further year of tests and they're not particularly pleasant tests if you've had them yeah. they involve lying on your side and tucking your knees up to your chin I'll leave the rest to your own imagination your bum. Yeah, yeah yeah it's not very What's pleasant I kind of got used to it to be honest which is not a good thing either um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's move on yeah um, so yeah I was very fortunate that through the show and the healthcare issues I had which I had never had before or after it's just because we were put in an extreme environment and you know tested to the max Fortunately, it got diagnosed eventually through that through that PSA test and through having good doctors who kind of said, well, this is, I'm not happy, let's take it to a biopsy, and, and that's where it was discovered. Right. So again, you kind of know, I mean, I'm sure both you guys, 
you know your own body and you know when you're not quite feeling right. But obviously for me, I put that down to grief, loss, that sort of thing. Being tired, fatigued, not being able to concentrate, all those things. Yeah. I just put down to my circumstances. So I kind of ignored that going on in the background. Mm. Um, I've learned a lot about myself since then and I can kind of tem- tend to... F- feel when I'm tired or when I've overdone stuff or when things the balance isn't quite right yeah yeah yeah, that sort of thing I mean you know I've had two roast dinners in two days and a pizza yesterday and I felt like shit overnight (laughs) (laughs) you know you think "Mm, come on this is stupid you just need to get yourself back into yeah into that zone you just know yourself as you get older yeah so fortunately through the show I got diagnosed and it helped but there's not a lot of knowledge around there for people of my age in regard to prostate cancer and what happens afterwards. So I went to the urology department and everyone in there was like 70 or 80 years old. They couldn't yeah. walk without a stick and I've sort of bowled in there half their age. And consequently, the doctors don't really know or they can warn you of what would happen afterwards or what you might expect, but they don't really know because most most of their patients are in their later years and they don't have, they're not active particularly in lots of different ways. And so there's not a lot, I don't think there's enough knowledge out there that's distributed to, to youngish guys. Yeah in terms of not just the symptoms of what might mean you need treatment, but also if you do need treatment, what to expect afterwards. Because as I'd used exercise and fitness to help me through the loss of James, I couldn't do that with the cancer thing. I did the usual bloke things, like they say, give it eight weeks. So six weeks later, you're thinking, right, a little bit of pain to do anything. So don't lift anything, don't cycle, don't run. So I sort of thought, well, that's rubbish. I'll do it. Yeah. And of course you stand there and you just make yourself worse and you think, I don't understand it. Because usually I'm sure you guys are the same. When you've had a a good break, you come back, you just know you have to go through that pain barrier, but you'll be fine. But I couldn't with that. And it would, and it knocked me back miles. And that consequently had a bigger impact on me mentally than I could have ever prepared myself really? for. Yeah, because it was what I'd used before to help me, I couldn't do anymore. So I sort yeah. of moped around the house and felt sorry for myself and that sort of thing. Well, will I ever be able to do this again? Yeah. And of course you will, as long as you do it properly and you take just time. With it, yeah, yeah but I just curve. don't like being patient. It's kind of one of those things where you just think, rubbish. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I look exactly the same. Yeah. Do it. I've Let's always go. been a, yeah, yeah, but it didn't work like that. So yeah. You live and you learn, don't you? So had you had you been through that by the time uh, Dan and Ollie approached you about the charity? No. I just had the surgery just after I believe Dan's series had been filmed because I remember meeting two of the guys. I just had my surgery and I remember meeting Ollie with the two guys that got to the end of that particular show. Um So I must have just had surgery. I had surgery in about September, and I think that was around about the October time when I first met them. So I just had the surgery and just been through it when we started discussing it kind of in in the latter part of that year and the early part of the new year. And it kind of evolved from there. We had plans that were very similar to where we are today and plans that were nothing like we are today. It's kind of evolved, and what we wanted to do was keep it simple and keep it true and keep it as a as a non-medicated, non-counselling-based thing. Now, we have people that advise us on... um, We're very fortunate that Dan's wife, Alex, is a mental health clinician, and she helps us on that side of things. So she helps um, design our questionnaires, for example. Um, She helps us and gives us advice when we need it with particular people or if someone contacts us. And my wife is a nurse, and she helps us on that side of things. So she's been on both of the courses to run as our medic. Uh, She has that experience. So all the questionnaires I give to her so she can risk assess everyone's um, health needs because, you know, we have people from 
I think about 20 is the youngest all the way into their 60s. So you have to take these things seriously because, yeah. you know, you're on a mountain, you're at the you're at the request of the elements, you've got to be careful with what you do. And we're very serious to make sure we take advice on that as well. So we're, we're fortunate to have that. So it's not just a simple case of taking a load of blokes and climbing a mountain. It's, yeah. it's carefully yeah, yeah. planned to be as it should be but yeah. every time we tweak something and we change it slightly and we'll be doing the same this time we're going to tweak things a little bit change things see if they work if they work great if they don't then we'll, we'll move with the um part people taking part are they this might sound like a silly question but are they paying for the privilege to do so or are you are they is it they're just getting you're deciding who goes and who doesn't so we ask this, if you look on our website, which is strongmen.org.uk, there's yeah. a little box on there to register for future weekend events. Yeah. People register, there's a little questionnaire so we can see um, what's happened to them, their age, all these sort of, they're fairly generic questions, but they're questions that we use. It then goes into a file and we tend to, so far we've done it on date order, so the earlier you apply, the the, the, the Further yeah, towards yeah, the front yeah. you are, that's the only way we can do it because you, you know, who can say seems like the only fair way, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who's to say someone's more grief is more, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So we, we do it that way, uh, and we look to take about 20 to 25 guys on each one. That's about the optimum number. Any higher than that, and becomes a little bit too impersonal when you can't yeah, get the chance you. to talk, and you've yeah. got little, uh, little groups forming as well. So it's a nice, it's a nice number. Um, so that's how they apply, and that's how we, we just take them from on, on that basis from there. Really. In terms of the cost, we provide everything free. Mm. Uh, we ask them if they could make a donate, if they are able to make a donation either before or after, or if they can fundraise for us afterwards, which, yeah. which a lot of the guys do. It costs us about between 500 and 500 pretty between five and six hundred pound per person yeah for the weekend so that will be all their kit their food the accommodation the insurance we have as i say a medic with us we have a psychologist we have all these professionals with us mm -hmm. uh, we also provide a bit of kit and we do it for a few activities so it works out about five six hundred pound yeah. a person which sounds like a lot of money mm -hmm. but for three days it's not a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, we, we beg, borrow and steal as best we can. Mm. Was the first one, the Snowden one, three days, was it? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, so they're all three days. Right. Um, and obviously to get to Snowden, the guys themselves, it's depending on where they come from, but for everyone, it seems to be at least a three-hour drive because right, it's yeah. Wales and the roads are tiny. It took you nearly three days to walk up Snowden when we did it, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of whinging going on. Yeah. We did the Three Peaks a couple of years ago for yeah. a, a local charity in Dartford called Eleanor, who um, similar similar vibe actually. Eleanor, they help um, help bereaved parents through okay. um, through things because uh, I've got a friend who lost their daughter when she was quite young, so they really helped her through that, and he, mm. he climbed the, the did the Three Peaks with us. Yeah, so that was. That was really good. But. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what, that, that's nice. I mean, it's such an, I think a lot of people are more engaged with the smaller charities now with, with the various scandals that have been associated with the big ones, you right. know, the Oxfams in this yeah. world. And when you see how much money they have stashed away or that they pay there, I mean, I can I cannot understand how anyone who works for a charity can be remunerated as highly as some of these people are. It's, it's a staggering amount of money. I think... If you're donating to a charity, you want the money you donate to go straight to the source. Yeah. I mean, you accept that there's overheads, obviously, but it's important that that, as much as possible, goes to what they're trying to achieve. Well, this was that. This was that talk, right? So this is. This yeah. is. That was that was my opinion on it as well, and it still is to an extent. But the argument that this guy makes in this TED talk, which we must add to the show notes, yeah. if we can, um, 
is that you know running a big business not not using oxfam but another a big business for example a big charity for example is exactly the same as running a big business mm. and that in order to run a big profitable business which is what you're trying to do with a charity except the profit is going to a worthy cause yeah you need talented c-level execs yeah. And to, to attract them to work for a company like that, you need to remunerate them. I'm not suggesting they need to be remunerated seven figures, uh, you know, like massive bonuses. But I kind of see, I, I see where he's coming from at that point because you're never going to get like talented see, I business think that's people. Rubbish. Think? My, yeah, I do. I mean, you're asking the public, are you up to the point and say, can you give us some money for yeah. our charity? You don't go, would you like to buy this iPhone? And you're going to get something for this. You're going to yeah. give me your money that you've earned, you've paid tax on, for me to take away yeah. and, and give to someone you've never met and you will never meet. I mean, the whole point of the charity is if you cannot passionately believe in what you're doing for someone, then don't do the job. You yeah, do but I think the them. argument is that they, it, the bottom line becomes much, much bigger if the company is earning more money so that you're, helping, you, you're able to help many more people if it's more profitable. As long as you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the thing. But when you look at, and the military charities have been in focus a lot of how much money, I think they've got something like <coughs> 1.1 billion in the bank between the major the major <laughs> ones. And that's that's not acceptable. Yeah. You know? And then to keep fundraising and to keep pushing out there, like saying yeah. we need, it's just not Is acceptable. That right? Yeah, it's, it's over yeah. 1.1 billion the major military charities have. And it creates a bad. And not one charity, like a number. No, so right, you would okay. have, I don't know, the top. Five, yeah, six, yeah, seven, yeah. or whatever that like is. International ones or UK it's ones? Just the UK ones. Really? It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, you should, you need a level of finances, obviously, to keep it running for a period of, what, six months to a year if you never got another another penny. But yeah. the whole point of working for a charity is because you want to give something to that charity. And whilst you, exp you, you do say, yes, you need to have the right people, mm. how much difference, you know, if someone is... If, if that's what you want to do, go and work for Ernst & Young for a couple of years to make your money and then, yeah. you know, that's, that, in my opinion, I mean, Dan and I do this on a voluntary basis and we're passionate about it. We don't yeah. take a penny out of it. Uh, would we be like to be paid? Of course we would do, but it yeah. doesn't seem right that some, you guys give me the money and I think, well, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there's enough talented director level people who have done their time in like yeah, private sector and then of course there is and then can come and devote time to that without yeah, I mean, without so, getting so much money but on that rationale would you feel guilty for taking a salary from strongmen then? at this present moment in time i would yeah, yeah right because there Absolutely. isn't enough money to support no, defense it wouldn't happen without dan and i doing what we do i mean i do it probably three days a week full time um dan as it when he can because he has a full time job. Yeah. But we, you know, we we work. We'll talk weekends. We'll talk into the evenings. Mm. We'll talk all the time because we're passionate about it. Yeah. But and I do fully appreciate that, that if people work in the charity sector, they should get, you know, they should get the going rate. But yeah. when you see some of the crazy numbers, yeah. it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. You know, you have to you have to give something back, whether that's through a reduced salary or. or you have to give something back or it's not a chat you're not yeah, doing yeah. it for the right reasons in my opinion so if we employed someone we'd want them to feel passionately about what we were doing course, yeah. we would pay them the going rate but we would expect the reason they want to join us because they believe in, in what we do yeah um and you say no problem paying people the going rate but some of these salaries are ridiculous mm. and some of the headquarters that these charities are in are ridiculous and really? some of the expenses are absolutely scandalous really oh absolutely yeah i mean you it that's the, that's the little thing and then when you reach out and you see what they do for if you take the military charities as a bereaved family there's ver i think 
I don't know, so it's probably wrong of me to comment, but a lot of the previous bereavement support that was available has with, been withdrawn. I did hear that somewhere, actually. Yeah, because a lot of the military focus is on PTSD, veterans' welfare, which is as it should be, yeah. but not to the um, to the loss. Yeah, because yeah. as a bereaved family, you know, it's very difficult when you lose someone in service to accept that there's no support there for you, but there there isn't. As, right. You know, there are, there are a few events that happen, but they've been scaled right back. Was there ever for you back in 2013? Well, so my wife uh, in particular, Safa, used to run a bereaved family support group, and she found it very beneficial, not necessarily because of what they did, but to meet people in other families, other mums uh, that have been through the same thing, which again yeah. is something that we take into Strongman. Strongman, I had that experience through Safa, and Dan did with uh, Victim Support Charity. To know that you're in a group with people who have experienced the same thing and understand that is is priceless, and that's some of, one of the main things that we take through to Strongmen. So that Safa Bereaved Support Families Group was great, but it kind of ran out of control a little bit, I think, and it ended up costing them a lot of money. They didn't necessarily use it as, as well as they can do. I'm being very critical in here, and it's wrong of me to do so, but just looking in, mm-hmm. it didn't seem to be the best use of, of their finances and what they provide now is a much scaled down version of it, which isn't particularly of any interest to me uh, or nor my wife. So I can only judge it personally. I don't yeah. think, again, they don't have the right people in there that have that experience potentially to know what might be a better way of, of doing these things or even push out to people and say, look, um, what do you think? Or what, what could we do better? I mean, we have 57% of the people that have been on strongman courses of, uh, of veterans or a Ex, ex armed really? forces so we went to the military charities and said look 57% of our beneficiaries are your beneficiaries would you mind could you help fund us yeah and every single one said no really not one was interested yeah because they have their own programs they're partnered with their own charities so that's the frustrating part mm. you know we are doing good work for the veteran community without beating the drum we don't we're not a vet, we're not a military only charity we're we're, we're quick to, to correct people. We are, anybody is welcome on Strong. Yeah, yeah. But also with the nature of, of loss and the interest that we have through things like the show, which is a lot of ex-military, and through my background and all the other things, we get a lot of veterans that contact us. Yeah. That could be that we've had guys where their friends have uh, committed suicide, where their friends have died in service, or where family members have died in service. Yeah. Uh, so we just thought, you know, when the, when the, the big publication came out about how much money they have in the bank. I thought, well, I'll approach them and see what happens. Not even a sniff of interest. And that's really? the frustrating thing. I mean, we run on a shoestring. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at the budgets that they have, a few thousand pounds would make a, a massive difference to us, but potentially nothing to them. Right. Just doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. It's again, it's that effective use of the funds. You need, you, you need to engage with them and think, do you know what? These guys are new. Let's look into them and let's actually look. We may still not be able to do it, but let's actually show, look at it properly and let's assess if what they're doing could be a benefit. If your mission is held for heroes, example, that must include helping bereaved families or or, or other... Yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? But it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't... I mean, they all have their specific um, objectives, I suppose is the right word. Um, and it would appear that the bereaved families 
are run into SAFRA as the main military charity or the Royal British Legion where they provide uh, things like financial assistance with um, inquests and that sort of side of thing, legal help. Okay. Um, all of this side of things, which is which is definitely beneficial because every military or most military deaths you have to have an inquest and we had to employ a solicitor and they helped us with that sort of thing as well. Right. So that's very helpful. But as a as a dad of a, a a guy a boy that's died, I'm sorry, a young man that's died, there is there's nowhere I can go. Yeah. Literally, there's nowhere I can go. Would I want to? I'm not saying that I would, but there should be something. Did you there ever? Should be some benefit. Did you ever reach out to any organisation or anything like that? And, and like, listen, I'm, I'm struggling. Like, no, because what that's help have you got available? That's not me. I'm like yeah. probably like you two. That's that's a real difficult that's thing. The thing to I'm have. not sure it's anyone, is it? No, and it, because you're so worried. If someone says no, then what do you do? Yeah, right. It's just like I've 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 committed to you. I've shown you I'm vulnerable. I'm in need of help. And if they say I'm sorry, we can't help you, then it's a dangerous spot. It's a very dangerous spot. So you don't put yourself in that spot. Yeah. So you set, you do it yourself through whatever way you can do. As I say, Safa were helpful for my wife. Um, I saw the benefit of that and just sitting in a group listening to people talking about the losses they'd had with their own children or their own uh, wives, husbands, all these things, knowing that people understood it was definitely something that I took out of it. Yeah. Dan took out of it on the victim support side of things as well. And we tried to use that as an important part of Strongman. So we run that the physical and mental health of people i'm i'm 100% convinced are intrinsically linked together from my own experience i know that it can become and i'm sure you guys appreciate that it can become a little bit obsessive fitness and that's the danger with these side of things yeah and that's why sometimes you have to sort of take a balance on it and make sure you are running it in with balance but it's you know everybody is different everybody's situation is different with with bereavement and that's one of those things where you can't really just bundle people in together. You have to just accept that everyone has their own experiences, some more recent, some longer ago, but it doesn't make any real difference. That The whole point is to get in a room with other people who know what you've been through or can experience it is kind of like that priceless thing. That's the magic of all yeah. these things, and that's why it works so effectively, because you know everybody. Yeah. They know Dan has, all the guys know that I have. Um, everybody we bring along has that experience as well, so yeah. that's key. Yeah, Ephraim, when um, you're, I mean, if you do, you have any history of military in your family? With exception of James, uh, yeah. my son, only back. I mean, my cousin was in the the RAF. My grandfather served in the Second World War, um, but James was probably the first, certainly of of my direct family. And so, when he told you that he was, did you, did you always know he was going to do that, or like, was he always planned to do that, or was that not really? I mean, he, he must have been the, fairly young. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was, James was physically, he was always more interested in the physical side of things. Academically, he was a really bright guy, which is why he went into military intelligence. Right. That interested him a lot. Um, physically, I mean, he used to, he represented the county at football, uh, England schools and colleges, football trial. Oh, he was a really good footballer. He then went into and did his PT training um, and did his um, uh, diploma national diploma in sports science all of that side of things so he yep. was going into to the pt side of things but then he got interested in things like the fire service the police service who weren't really recruiting at the time because we were looking at back, about 2010 2011 so they'd cut all the recruitment mm. back but he'd always had an interest in the forces we've always had an interest as a family because because from me stems back to my grandfather in the second world war he'd always talk about his experiences yeah. and just one of those things uh, my grandmother's brother died in the Second World War. He was a Lancaster uh, bomber 
rear gun. I said that we'd always had that interest, and you can't, in my opinion, you should always understand what's you know what people have done and sacrificed to get us to where we are. Too sat right. in this room with you two guys today, so it's always been an interest. And then he just naturally sort of went down that route, and we were, I mean, obviously. We were concerned because Afghanistan, Iraq were still active, mm. um, probably still are active, mm. but there was always that worry. But of course, you always think, well, you know, you can't wrap them in cotton wool. It's like that. No, it's course. like the thing at the moment, isn't it, with the coronavirus? You've got to go out. Yeah. You can't sit in your room for the rest yeah. of your life and hope you never see anything because yeah. life's all about experiences. We never thought. The same with terrorism as well. Mm. Like all the attacks close in London at the moment. Yeah. There are I mean, people that will be like, no, I'm not going to London. No, you, you I mean, you have to. You can't. You can't live in fear, can you? No, absolutely, because you're just as likely to, you know, get run over. Yeah. Or whatever, aren't you? Mm. So. Yeah. You know, we we didn't we never expected that James would would die serving yeah. his country, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was just you know he he was such an able person. When he went out on his second deployment, I don't think we were as we were more worried first time because it was something we hadn't experienced before. Of course, yeah. But second time we were reasonably relaxed. Yeah, relaxed yeah, as yeah you I can bet. Be. Yeah, got used to it. Yeah. It, it was all right the first time, and so yeah. now I'm a bit more used to it. And it was a little bit less kinetic out there in 2013. I mean, the previous soldier that had died was Lee Rigby, for example, on the streets of London before James, and that was probably, I think that was around the May time, and, right. and James died in October. So it's been, that's been quite years a ago. Yeah. yeah. So that's just coming up to seven years ago, 2013. So, nice. you know, I wouldn't say we weren't worried. We obviously, there's always that element of, of worry, but we never thought, why would you think? Because it always happens to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that sometimes it's you that is that somebody else. Yeah. yeah. And before this all happened, you know, we talk about using exercise and fitness as a medication as such. Mm. Did you, were you training a lot before? I've always been active. I did the Mar Brighton Marathon in 2011, something like that. I like to, I've always done some running and get yeah. myself active at the gym. Just ticking over really when I got to, Late thirties, early forties, just keeping my eye. But I love, I love all these things. I like to try. Yeah, I've always tried to do different stuff, um, just to keep an interest. Because whereas I like going to the gym, you can get in that comfy sit there. And you see them all nowadays on the phone more than they are. It's Rick, you're explaining. Yeah. Shut That's up. My <laughs> yeah. The worst That's training partner ever. Trying to look moody, taking a picture of themselves. <laughs> Seriously, mate. Look, you take your top off in the gym once, and you just get bereaved for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should be banned. <laughs> Should be bad. It wasn't so, just your talk, mate. Dear God, moving on again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you were training anyway, mm. um, and then what led? Obviously, there is a period of time where you found out about James, obviously, yeah. um, and then I can't imagine how difficult that must have been to deal with. But then, at what point did you, you know, the, when? When did this SAS the show come about? Like, yeah, what, what led to you to you. applying like, for that? That so, seems good, like that seems again common with uh, the other bereaved guys that have gone on. Mm. What on earth makes you think? I know what I'll do. I'll go and talk to myself. I remember watching you watching you on it actually. Mm. Yeah, I do. Um, and I remember your rationale for it, and it made yeah. a lot of sense to me. Whereas well, some maybe, of the others maybe not quite so much. Maybe but. it's my fault that the other guys did because perhaps I don't know that they saw me do it and thought, well, yeah, I don't remember not? anyone before that actually. No, doing no. That. well, I did the perhaps second series. The reason I did it. Oh, was it the second one? Was it? Yeah, I was yeah. the second one. So the reason I did it. There was a couple of things. James um, had booked in or had registered. He did 
pre-para before he deployed uh, and he wanted to finish P Company when he got back. So he'd booked in to do that uh, at the end of his deployment, which would have been around about March, April time. Because uh, that was his interest was to go airborne in his next posting. Um, so I did a couple of things. I did um, the Paris 10, which is a, a 10 mile march in Colchester with some weight on your back, that sort of side of things. And he'd already worked with the special forces through the uh, the run up to the Olympics. Uh, it worked with the Pathfinder platoon and all sort of different sides. And that interested him hugely. Yeah. So I, I kind of thought, well, I'll give that a go. Added to that, the first series was filmed very close to where James was based. He was based in Broadie, which is right on the west southwest coast of of Wales, down by sort of Haverford West, and they'd filmed a lot of it in that area, which we'd been to and visited uh, when we'd visited his base, not mm. just to drop him off, but also when his his colleagues came back. So it kind of interests me, and it resonated, and it was a little bit different to a lot of the other SAS type shows. They're all a bit similar, but that one I quite liked. It had a bit of a dark side to it. It's yeah. a little bit psychological, and mm. uh, and the first series I think was p- particularly good because obviously nobody knew anything about the the DS, the staff on it. Whereas we had that benefit when we hit the second one that three of the four were in the first one because we so we kind of knew mm. what to expect. Um, so it just interests me, and I just applied for it, and it just kind of happened. We went through a, a physical examination, some psychological evaluations, uh, health checks where they put the mask on you and make you cycle and all that sort of shenanigans. Yeah, I'll be max. Yeah, so it's quite a long process to get through it. I think there's about 3,000 people applied for my series. Wow. I'd imagine that's gone up exponentially by now. Yeah, yeah. It must be loads more than that. Yeah. Although it seems to be slightly different... People now seem to be slightly different, and they seem to be sort of athletes, for want of a better word. There's mm. a lot of that. They're sort of physically yeah. stronger and fit. Personal training's been on, isn't it? Yeah, they? there's quite a few of that sort of side of things. But I kind of just entered it. I thought, well, nothing will ever come of it, and we'll just see how we go. And mm. it just happened. And any, I wouldn't have been disappointed if I hadn't gone because I wasn't. You weren't expected to. No, not really, because you know, TV is TV, isn't it? Again, yeah. it's one of those things that you watch and you think, mm, fine. Yeah. But, you know, you all sit there and think, why did that person give up or why did that happen? But there's so much goes on behind the scenes that you don't see. They chip away at you for days and hours. And we flew halfway around the world to Ecuador. We had jet lag. We had like a day's worth of conditioning to get used to the climate. But you can't because it was something like 95, 98% humidity. It was about 30 degrees. They didn't feed us. They didn't give us a lot of fluids. Half the kit turned up, half it didn't turn up. So you had your wet kit, but not your dry kit. So everyone was breaking out in sores. And as soon as you went in the water, that was infected because the cesspits all flooded when the Amazon flooded. And so everyone's, I mean, my thumbs got, I couldn't do my shoelaces up because my thumbs became infected. I couldn't tie my trousers up. So all these things you don't see. How long were you out there for? I was, I, I got about halfway through and I think I was out there for about a week, something like that. Right, yeah, if you yeah. went all the way, it's about two, two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. But it was a long old process. We threw from Heathrow to Madrid, from Madrid to Quito, from Quito to... Are you, do, you, do you fly there with everyone else? Yeah. It's the bizarre thing. So you're not allowed to talk to anyone, or we weren't. But you know who they are because we all had our boots on. So we said, they said, basically, turn up at Heathrow at this time, wear these boots. But you're not allowed to talk to anyone. So you could. everyone's a little bit anxious, a bit yeah, apprehensive. Yeah, and, you know, I was a 44-year-old, year old bloke. You know, it's like being at school and it's kind of like, I'm just yeah. taking the notes of them, really. And yeah. I mean, is it for the for the... For the production staff that were accompanying us, it must have been a nightmare to have 25 testosterone-filled blokes that aren't allowed to talk to each other. Oh, because it was just men then, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it was it was the bizarrest experience, and it must have been a nightmare for them. Because, so what you know, point, at what point do they tell you, 
So you do like a, a physical. So you, I'm assuming you make an application, you do a physical, yeah. you do some psychological tests and fitness tests. Yeah. And then what was the, like, then they just say, right, well, we might we'll, be in touch. We'll we be might in not. touch, yeah. So if you pass the physical test, you then go and have a little interview on camera. So that a lady asked me some questions on camera and then they said, we'll let you know. And I can't remember the time scale, but it's quite a long process and I'd kind of forgotten all about it now mm. because we were going out to Ecuador that the Zika virus was was uh, live at the time yeah so they had to warn us about that so we knew roughly where we were going we had to have but the, what, what point did they say right you're in about a month before really? about a month before you get confirmation because we had to have all sorts of jabs right yeah. I, mean, I think it was I don't know how many jabs it must have had eight ten jabs for Everything from yellow fever through to God knows what. Yeah. Did you know you was going to a jungle in Ecuador? Yeah. Right. A jungle in South America. I mean, right. and they said the Zika virus, you got the map out and you think, well, it's got to yeah. be somewhere in that sort of region. And there was the earthquake in Ecuador as well a few months before. And I think, right. I think if I remember right, they said, you know, bear with us because our location has been an earthquake and we'll have to obviously see how it goes. I mean, the logistics must have been a nightmare for... Because they don't do... Well, the last couple haven't been abroad, have they? I, think. I think the last one was in Scotland. The time before that was maybe Peru, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. Somewhere like that. So oh, the logistics, snow, yeah, sorry. The logistics yeah. must be a nightmare for them to arrange yeah. everyone to get out there. And, and as I say, because not only was there us 25, there was goodness knows how many camera staff and all mm. the technical side of things. And in that... I mean, to try and live in that environment is horrific everything bites you, everything hurts you. I mean, I remember... Stings you. Oh, and it stinks. They made us run up and down this bank just for something to do. And as I slipped down, I grabbed hold of a tree to save myself falling. And then there was needles, must have been four inches long, sticking out of my hand. I had about five of these things that I'd just been on the tree, must protect it against insects or whatever, mm. but now in my hand. And of course, pulled them all out and each of these cuts was then live which you then put in the water which is infected and everything becomes infected it's just right. you cannot you cannot it, it, you cannot explain what a horrific environment it is yeah. to live in and I don't know how people live in it and yeah. you know it's a function it, it looks beautiful doesn't it but oh, up close it just looks beautiful you. when you're helicoptering in and you think that's lovely yeah, that's but nice. then when you're in it and you see and the wildlife that comes to comes to life at night. We had to go to the toilet in pairs just in case, all this sort of thing. So you learn a lot about people very quickly when you're sat on the loo, yeah. chatting away, and all you can hear in the background is what well, you don't know what it is. It's, it's bizarre. Weird jungle noises. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, but it's, it was a gr I've really enjoyed the experience. If I could do it again, I'd definitely do it again. Yeah. It was great to get the opportunity to do all of that stuff, to meet the guys and to be part of like a TV yeah. program that's become really successful particularly uh, recently was great yeah great experience i'd encourage anyone to to try these things yeah it looks hard i bet it's hard i bet it's harder than it looks as well well i think i i what well, i my mantra when i went into it was whatever they asked me to do i should do it. i won't think about it i'll just do it because i think if you think about these things and you talk yourself out of these yeah things, then you become i mean i can't really swim and the first thing we had to do was jump 10 or 12 meters off a bridge into the to, into the river I remember standing there thinking just jump so mm. i jumped shut my eyes and it seemed like an eternity just dropping and then bang mm. straight into this thing but yeah i mean you open your eyes and you're 20 meters down down the river desperately trying to swim in all your clothes and it was great did you do the one where you have to fight with someone yeah yeah i think that was it's my favorite yeah we did that i got steve was my partner and he went a bit he went a bit crazy to be was honest. he the uh was he the bricklayer 
Steve, no, Steve used to be in the army. He was in construction. He used to be in the army, had some alcohol, drug, Oh, previous well, issues awesome. he's currently running across Africa as we speak two really? and a half thousand miles yeah bless him he's quite an extreme guy yeah yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's great that again that environment where you meet people and you bond with them so quickly because you're yeah. in a, a really weird yeah I, um, I can imagine that happens yeah and again which is again something Dan and I were keen to take across to Strongman that nobody yeah. knows each other so there's no history, there's no baggage. You literally start day one as you want to be. Yeah. And everything that's happened to you before is irrelevant. Yeah. And yeah, nobody yeah. knows anything about you. And so you come in with a clean bill of health. Yeah. You know, it's that old thing, isn't it? When you work for something, people know you as a certain, I don't know, happy-go-lucky sort of person. They won't accept you as anything else. That's right, how yeah. they understand you. Whereas if nobody knows anything about you, then they have to accept what you want to be. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, of course, and you've never met any of them, right? Mm. So, do you, is it for people exclusively who have suffered with loss or bereavement, or are you? It is, yeah. yeah. It's exclusively men who have suffered bereavement. We'd like, we will be aiming to increase that to. Well, you have to say all the sexes now, don't you? To everybody as we get better funding yeah. and better availability. All six but, of them. Yeah, um, but at the moment, Dan and I run it. We only can do it from our side of things, and we only have the funding to 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 base it towards men really and because there's nothing really available that was always our intention but going forward in long term hopefully we there's also nothing wrong with just doing it for one sex no, you know there's plenty be, of but we reach things. out there to funders and that precludes us I bet because, it does yeah. yeah I mean we, we contacted Fucking a well known yeah we had contacted or we applied for a grant from a well known alcohol um brewery for want of a better yeah. word and because we're male only not interested yeah. I think well your demographic is probably the same thing and because it's a massive issue then that's why we're targeting at it but because yeah. we're excluding or only looking to look after men then it's an issue for them yeah because the the mantra was kind of strong not silent when you launched it right well strong men is strong mentally right okay, that's what yeah. it stands for we've just shortened it down to that and you know use that because it's men only and I totally understand why people um, you know, I understand the concerns and why, but what we find a lot of the guys that come on the courses, it's their wives that put them forward. Yeah. The wives that say, you know, you need to do something. I think you should apply for this because, you know, you need help. Yeah. You need Because when everything is bad, it affects the family, the colleagues, the friends. But obviously when things get better, again, it affects them as well. So it affects everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we try and say to people. And, it, and the wives and the partners have a huge impact and they do yeah. tell the guys to come on it. Because I think sometimes guys will be like, well, I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. Maybe. Well, it's your wife that pushes it. you to the doctors when there's something wrong. It's your... The dentist. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, I mean, we'd all be living in tips, wouldn't we, basically? <laughs> 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 if we were, if we're yeah. our better halves, yeah. Yeah, exactly, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So have you got other... Um, the other ones you've got booked, are they Snowden as well, or have you got other things going Next on? Next one's in Snowden in April, April 3rd, 4th, 5th. Um, we're hoping the one after that in July will be in and around the lead sort of area we're then going to go up to the lake district and, and we'll probably have another one in, in snowden as well snowden's just perfect yeah. for us when, when you're there fm you you're obviously not just going up and down snowden yeah because that wouldn't take three days right correct what else do you do well we get the guys together um it's it's without letting too much out of the bag it's yeah, it's course. an evolving process yeah i mean that it's focused towards the the climb on the Saturday. There's other events on the Sunday, and and the Friday gives everyone the opportunity to bond, to meet each mm. other, to get together, have something to eat, all of these sorts. So it's a it's a carefully evolved 
thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the good thing about climbing the mountain is, like all these things, I mean, we're sat around a desk and it's like a job interview, isn't yeah. it? But when you're climbing a mountain, you're all looking up there, you're not looking at each other. It's yeah. nothing like a, an interview, a therapy session. It's a yeah. great, it's yeah. just a great, it's great to be outdoors. Whatever, we've been lucky with the weather. We won't be this time. You can't be three times on the bow. So, you, you know, you've got the weather to contend with. But all around you in Snowdon, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's it absolutely stunning. stunning, and it'll be the same in the Lake District. It's just, and you sit and you think, why don't I do this more often? Yeah, why that's yeah, exactly like what I thought when we instant when we kind did. of mental shower for mm. one of the yeah. better word, isn't it? It's yeah, it's, like you that, think, Thanks, and it's man. all here. You know, it's all yeah. here for us. It's on our doorstep. I mean, you guys are based in Seven Oaks. It's all round us. Yeah, but we don't do. We get in the car, rush to somewhere, do something, rush to somewhere else. Phones going, everything going. Sometimes you just have to stand there and go. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Do you have to uh, stop Ollie calming down, telling to stop shouting at people? It's not uh, SAS selection. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Ollie's great. He's, he helped us evolve the charity, get everything together. He's such a busy guy. He's got so yeah. much going yeah, on. He's got his own business, right? As well. He's got Breakpoint. He's got his own. He's got the the, the TV program. He's got. Uh, he's got he's, supplements as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's got the the protein side of things. He's got apps. I mean, the guy's got all sorts going on. So we don't. You know, we let him do his own thing, and we just and he helps us when we when we need him. Yeah, um, he's a great guy. He's helped us no end, um, and we still, you know, we're looking for people who want to be involved with the charity. That's the key thing with us. As I yeah. say, going back to what you were saying about the TED Talk thing, if you don't want to do charity, then don't do charity. Yeah, but there's enough people out there that do and have benefited from it, and want to help other people because it's cathartic. I mean, how can you, how can you put a price to that? Helping other people, you know, you make money through your salaries, great. But living really is about trying to give a little bit back and help people, and that's you know, yeah. Great. There's there's a selfish element, not selfish element, but there's like there's a you get a lot from it yeah. when you're giving back, hundred percent, which yeah. you yeah. can't put a price on, no. right? And now I understand when charities become huge companies, we're going back a little bit. Absolutely, you have to have HR, you have to have IT, you have to have all of these things, but don't lose sight of what you're doing and who yeah. you're trying to help. That's got to remain front and foremost. I mean, Dan and I went to see Calm the other day. Sit down with them because they're great. But as soon as you walk in there, calm is that the app? The app campaign it? against living oh, sorry. Um up in London. And as soon as you Chris. walk in their office, yeah, it's not that one. Yeah, it's just you think these they they got it right. They know what they're trying to do. They understand who they're trying. Sorry, to Sorry, what's it called? Campaign <clears throat> against living, living miserably. miserably. So again, it's a it's a Mental it's geared health. towards yeah, uh, and it's they've they've come a long way in a relatively short period of time, about ten years, I think. But you get the vibe as you go in. Everybody is pulling the same way and yeah. yeah you know it's a really hectic environment and they're all on the same mission yeah and that's what you want i mean that's yeah. what we want and that's what it's all about is trying to maintain that as you would in any business that 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 real focus hunger and, and want to help people whilst growing and evolving and you know doing all the other things that you have to do mm. so is the plan to obviously the plans to grow in the uk but this feels like something that probably everyone of every background will have to contend with at some point yes i mean there's a lot i don't know about other countries uh, the yanks seem to be well in front of us in terms of their veteran programs with the wilderness therapy and all that side of things um and i think they probably picked up on it before before a lot of other countries we've had interest from around the world we had a communication not long ago from south africa mm. to see if they could you know, if there's any interest there, and at the moment we've got enough to do over here, yeah, just to like sort of it. focus on that. Yeah, and again, it's key is to keeping it as we want it, and keeping the core objectives the same, 
uh, and to make sure we help the people that we want to help and not digressing too much into something that you know might tick a box and enable us to get funding for example but diversifies what we're trying to achieve um which is what you know it's a it's a it's a real delicate balance yeah um about trying to stick to your principles irrespective of the financial gains or uh, all the diversity side of things it's just about sticking to those key principles and when we have the guys up in april as soon as we get them there as soon as we see the difference it has on them then you remind you yeah you know, i bet yeah what it's all about because yeah, it's hard because for every one day you spend with the beneficiaries there's 30 days that you're grafting away to try and raise the money to and benefit and you get them. knocked back to so say we got knocked back recently the lottery knocked us back um, lots of different things and it, you know it does it knocks you back because you you think well why don't they want to help it's, if you could just see yeah, the benefit yeah, yeah. you'd be all over it but yeah. you know it's difficult and there's a lot of people you're competing really to, with different charities and different people to create so it is a lot of people need model. help right yeah yeah absolutely and we just we, we know we're on the right path and when yeah. we see the guys and we see the benefit it has on them and some of these have been life changing moments you yeah. think doesn't matter the rest of it will just come yeah has there been any like story in particular that you can tell us at least um of anyone who's benefited from what you do that's really like hit home for you uh massively all all of them but some mm. of them more so than others um one of the particular guys i'm sure graham won't mind me mentioning well i have now yeah graham, <laughs> oh, graham. Sorry, graham. Uh, graham came along on our first on our first uh retreat in april last year 2019 he was in a difficult situation um he was a serving police officer at the time things just weren't in a good in a good place for him since he's been with us he's lost two and a half three stone in weight he's now focusing on his photography business which is his passion and he does all our social media as well so we keep him engaged with the charity he also came along as a volunteer on the second course mm. we always try and keep the guys involved as best we can so for him, um, huge, huge benefit for him and his family. Um, and yeah, we've had people join us in some really dark places without mm. getting into too much detail. And it has definitely, I, I would say, I think we can safely say that we've made a massive difference to, to, to people. And yeah. that's, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So yeah. If, you're not, um, if you're not paying yourself or anything, how, how are you managing to spend... Um, sort of three days a week on it. Have you? My wife. Right. Okay. Cool. She's a she's a nurse. Um, so she is the she's the breadwinner. Yeah. Uh, and I she enables me to just go about my business, um, doing this on a voluntary basis. I am looking for. I'm going to have to do a few days work, paid work for other things. Yeah. Which also helps me, you know, because you can get fixated with this and so driven by it that you know it becomes slightly obsessive. I'm that sort of person. That it's good sometimes to step back and then come back at it, uh-huh. uh, refreshed. Yeah, I can imagine, that yeah. sort of side of things. Because you know you are dealing with people's livelihood, and you're just trying to help as many people as possible. But sometimes you just need to take a little bit of a step back, rebalance yourself, and come back in it. So that's good. So I'm fortunate that my my good lady is um, is very generous in that respect. She did you, know, did you leave your am I right in thinking you left your full time employment before you went on the SS show? No, so I I went in I I, I gave up my Paid employment on the 1st of July 2019. So it's now, what's that, oh, okay. eight, nine months ago. Uh, I had a great job, really good salary. Um, it was something I'd done for what nearly 30 years. I was a sales director of a company that did office partitioning. Okay. I'd done it for nearly 30 years, but it just didn't 
I just got tired of it and it was just something I, I wanted to focus on other things. Yeah. With strong men, with myself, getting myself, you know, rested and all yeah. that side of things. So it just, I mean, I'd been working hard for a long time and obviously with everything that had happened with the illness and, and James, it was just time to take a, a step back out of it really and, and yeah. come back at it from a different angle. Right. But the bills still need paying. Yeah. You know, you've got to put food on the table, unfortunately. So we'd all like to do stuff we enjoy, but it doesn't necessarily mean you can. Yeah, that's yeah, that's worth saying, absolutely. Because there is a lot about that now, isn't there? Is find what you enjoy and do more of it, which is a very good idea, but it's it's not so easy in practice, is it? No, it's, you can't go to the bank manager and say, I can't especially pay when the you mortgage. enjoy running a charity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, sorry, yeah. Mr. Bank Manager, you can't pay the mortgage, but I have helped people. He'd probably say that's very nice. Yeah, he or she would probably say it's very nice, money. but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's it's that balance again. As I say, I'm lucky with with Sharon, with my wife. She and she's fully on board as well, so she understands why why I do it, why we do it, and yeah. she's behind us 100. percent Excellent. Hmm. But seeing how much it's helped you um, and Dan, I imagine, no end, to like be able to help other people, um, when, we, when you mention about the, the guys who are taking part in the retreats, yeah. that seems like the, a good route to be raising money. Um, is that something that you guys are focusing on a fair amount at the moment? Because I would imagine that they're going to be your biggest salespeople, so yes. to speak. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them will do fundraising um, yeah. or look out to their companies when they go back and they'll maybe get donations from them. Uh, or some will just donate to us as well. Some provide some finances through a monthly standing order. and yeah. They'll help us with the publicity side of things as best they can do. And yeah, it's an evolving, it's an evolving process. So young though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you've only been going for a couple Not of years. Not even a year, yeah. really, as a charity. So... You know, we, we've done a remarkable job to get to where we are. We've got a lot of the governance in place. We've got all this, the boring stuff behind the scenes that, that that doesn't get the publicity in terms of things like insurance, all the assessments, the health and safety, the governance. All these things are in place yeah. you know, to make sure um, that we've got everything ready. Uh, you know, the accounts are legal, all these things. It's more are, difficult than setting up a normal business. Yes, and it should be. You know, we are carefully audited by the Charities Commission as we should be, um, and it is it's it is a it's a complicated process, and it's it, and it's understanding that process and what is expected of you, not mm. just as a charity, but as trustees of the charity, as members of that board of trustees of the charity, and the other trustees, uh, and the direction we take, because we are looking for niche ways of raising awareness, of raising funding, of doing stuff. Uh, we've been very fortunate that companies have given us a lot of help pro bono and things like legal yeah. marketing we've got hopefully a campaign coming out this year which should help us uh, really heighten our our profile but there's a lot of competition out there charities you know in terms of trying to engage with celebrity ambassadors there's a lot of competition out there um, especially when you're relatively niche you know bereavement support for men is not like i don't know trying to win world kids, poverty yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or something yeah. like that or it's a real niche thing but it affects so many people mm. and some of the stories that we hear or some of the people content it's heartbreaking you know you think yeah. i wish we could do more but we're doing as much as we can and it's more than most people mm. and that's the way of looking at it and then just trying to grow it say how can we you know what ways have we got because dan and i have no experience in the charity but we're both i'd say we're both pretty successful people we're we're intelligent people we know what we're doing and we know where we want to get so we've got a real 
we've got a real process and we know how we're going we understand that process and we're just trying to develop it in a different way to maybe a traditional charity so you say dan works full-time he does yeah dan's in it is he yeah so he's busy i mean he's got two young kids um He's got I mean, that a was a pretty harrowing story. I watched his. Yeah, yeah Dan's. I mean, work. we do talks. We go around and we do talks. We were up at Edge Hill University uh, recently doing a talk, um, just for their wellness side of things and yeah. their, all that sort of stuff. And and I sit down and I listen to Dan's story, and it's heartbreaking. And he's the same. We sit down and he listens to mine, and it's heartbreaking. You know, and yeah. I think, yeah. God, how is? I'm sure we. I think sort of think how has how has he kept all those plates spinning? And it's the same yeah. with me. How have you? How how has it happened? You know, when you when you go. I mean, imagine you two. You, when you left for work this morning and you said goodbye to your kids, wives, whatever. Imagine never seeing them again. Mm. Just going to work or just yeah. going about, and then and, and then and you can't. You cannot. I cannot articulate what impact it has on every part of your life. Yeah, yeah. Your work, your friendship, your health, your mental health, your diet. Everything is affected. I mean, Dan's moved house. We've moved house. I've moved job. Well, I haven't got a job. Mm. I've left work. My wife's changed. She's still in the NHS, but she's changed work. My daughters have changed. Everything changes. Yeah, literally yeah. everything. And, and it's like a period of lost years where you look at you think they were lost years. We were just like surviving, Existing, just yeah. coping. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a survival, and and it you know even now, I, when you think you can never ever. When you lose a child, I don't think I'd ever be 100% happy again. It's just not possible because every bit of happiness is tinged with, but we'll never get to do that with James. Yeah. We'll yeah. never see him grow old. We'll never see him buy a house, have children, get married. All these things. And all his peers are getting, you know, James would be 30 at Christmas. Mm. He was born just before Christmas. So we are fast approaching his 30th birthday. He was yeah. 22 when he died. You mm. think that's a long time already. And then you see his friends having kids, getting yeah. married, all these things. And yeah. It's, you know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It really is. And, um, I mean, luckily our daughter's doing really well. She's great. But for her, it's been hard. You know, you, again, you yeah, can't right. underestimate what it does to the sibling. It's just, it affects everything. Yeah. It's not fair, is it? No, it's not fair. No, it really isn't. It's, you know, if you knew what was going to happen to you in life, probably none of us would bother because everyone has their <laughs> challenges but yeah. some some of them you do you think how the hell I was driving down up today on the motor and you think I pulled in at a service station just to have a wee one of the problems with having prostate issues and the last time I was at that service station was dropping James off to meet his colleague to take him to Broadley when his car broke down really? so yeah. I think bloody hell yeah and when I look back it's like a different me I'm a different I bet person. yeah right. I was gonna life ask you has that, changed so yeah. I'm different in so many ways I mean, there are parts of my character that are the same, but everything else, yeah, it's just I can't. It just change. Everything changes. Was there was there a point? I guess it's a really slow, gradual thing of dealing with it. But was was there almost like a a break, <laughs> like a breakthrough point for you where you managed to let go of some grief or 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 anything? Like was it was it the show? Was it? Maybe even the cancer, I don't know. Was, was Yeah, I don't... I mean, there's points where when you have a military death, there's always an inquest process because it's an unnatural death where they investigate the circumstances and the situation. The build-up to that was particularly difficult uh, because of the circumstances. Uh, and it was a real challenge because, you know, you're basically, for us, we were going to battle with the MOD <clears throat> in a coroner's court in that environment where you get to hear all the real difficult details 
and the exact details of what happened on that day. You see the visuals, you hear everything. You, you, hear have, everything. To, you have to go through that. You, you don't have, have to. to go, but it happens whether you choose oh, to go or not. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, we chose to go to listen to it. So they go through everything in a very clinical fashion. So that was really, really difficult. And once that had finished, there was a, a little bit of a weight off the shoulders because you knew you'd never have to go through that okay, yeah. again. So that was definitely a moment. Uh, and I think with Dan, that would be the same with the legal case. Uh, someone spoke to us the other day who'd lost their <clears throat> mum in a different part of the world. And they were, uh, in a, I think it was a car crash or something like that. And they had that legal thing to go through. And it's horrific. Yeah. And I think when you see it happen to other people, you take things like the Hillsborough um, disaster and yeah. the ongoing process that all those families have been through all these years later, it makes you appreciate how horrendous it must have been for them yeah. and to continue going through it. So to put that to bed, albeit whether we're happy or not happy with the, the result of it is irrelevant, but to put that to bed is a was a relief. It meant we could... I'm not going to say move on because that's the wrong word, but yeah. we can put it behind us is probably sure. the right word. Yeah. So that was a benefit. I, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't really care if I lived or died, if I was really? honest. When they, said me, when, they said, when the doctor said to me, you've got prostate cancer, I don't think my pulse changed. It was just like, oh. Really? <laughs> Couldn't care less, to be honest with you. Yeah. Did that change over time, though, or not? Now, as yeah, now I'm, I'm back to being aware of how precious life is and yeah. how much positive stuff I've got going on around me with my, my wife, my daughter, my friends, with strong men, with where I am with my own mental health at the moment. I'm in a much better place. But at the time, there was almost like a degree of, well, if I die, that's fine because, you know, I don't know, perhaps I'll see James again. Yeah. There's all that side of things. But then, I mean, it was at that point that I knew that I probably wasn't in a good place because... You know, when people say it's the worst thing in the world when someone tells you you've got cancer, well, for me, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It was like someone said to me, you got a parking ticket. Actually, it was less than that. Yeah. Just like... Yeah, it's fucking annoying though when you get a parking <laughs> it ticket. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Truly. Fisk, I mean, if they yeah. said, and it's going to cost you money, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's one of those things where you just think, well, yeah, so right. what? Yeah. You know, and people always say, uh, so many people say to me, oh, you'll be fine. You, you've been through worse. You can battle this. But with cancer, whatever anybody says... A lot of it is involving luck, you know, how early they you got diagnosed, yeah. what treatment's available. Yes, you've got to have willpower and the, and the will to keep going and that sort of side of things. But, you know, you're in the hands of the experts. It's them. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was being wheeled down for my surgery on a Saturday morning in Guildford, watching the surgeons pacing up and down, shitting themselves. I remember thinking, this can't be good. <laughs> Surely he should be calm, you know, like right. an aircraft pilot, you know. You, the, the typical BA pilot that just comes on, oh, a surgeon with the shakes. turbulence, yeah, and this guy's <laughs> pacing up and down. I was thinking, oh no. So, yeah. why was that? I don't know. I'd guess it was just first day. Yeah, I mean, first, day. Just, uh, <laughs> first time we'd ever done it. I mean, it's just yeah. yeah. I guess they're just like all these things. It's a long. I think it's about a five-hour operation, and it was. What do they do? It's a. I don't know exactly what it is. It, it was a robotic prostectomy. There's this thing. They cut you in about five or six places around your stomach. This robot thing goes in and your prostate is basically tucked away behind all sorts of things. Mm. I mean, when they show you where it is, you think it's like right in the middle of all the action areas. Mm. So All the good stuff. Yeah. So, um, so they go in there and they basically take it out. But the, 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 the margins of what they take out, you're looking at point not very much of a millimetre between. Mm. And every 
the more they take out, the more it affects your muscles, your nerves. Yeah, does that, I was going to say, does it mess up your abs a lot? Massively, yeah. Right. I mean, it's not just that. I mean, it's it's things like your um, your ability to not go to the toilet, all these things that naturally you think, oh, I need to go to the toilet like you just did. That's gone because the nerves that have been damaged don't tell you you need to go. So all of these things... I'd be banging in trouble there because I'm, like, I'm waking up three, four times a night these days. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm seriously. Oh, yeah. Last night, I was up four times. Really? Four? Yeah. Have you had a PSA test? Yeah. And? Yeah, they said I was, they said I was all right. But I'm considering going back again... They, I had a, a PSA test and a ultrasound. Yeah. And they were like, well, you know, in the ultrasound, I had to drink loads before it, so I had yeah. a full bladder, and then you go for a piss and then come back and then they do it again. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Um, to check that it's all coming out. Yeah. 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 I had. I mean, none of these tests for me picked up the cancer. It was Brilliant. the biopsy that did it. Yeah, that's the bizarre thing. It was just because that PSA test, the number was too high. Right. Do you know what yours was, the number? I oh, don't. You're going to stress me out now. I can't, yeah. I can't remember. Well, it's literally a blood test. And just, yeah. I mean, there's, there's got to be a reason why you're going to... I mean, I don't even go. I go probably twice on a bad day. Oh, yeah. I'm like regularly two or three times a night. Bad, isn't it? Knackering. Mm. Can't be as bad as living Well, folks, you heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah, so all of these... Because it's literally in the middle of all these things, and I didn't know that. Mm. Well, hence the reason the test for it is obviously not the best. Um, it's just yeah. It's so when they give you that test result, sorry, back to me. Yeah. Um, when they give <laughs> when they give you that test result, that the the blood test determines whether you have a biopsy or not. The blood test is just a reading, and that would indicate that you. I mean, my the doctor said literally they tried me on things like decaffeinated tea and all of this stuff to see yeah. if they changed the number. Yeah, they it can be. All that stuff, yeah. medication and pills and tablets to bring it down, nothing changed it. So that was the thing for them. They were kind of like, let's just be 100% safe and, and have a biopsy, which is an operation. They take a biopsy of your prostate, so they knock you out, they, and then they and then they found it through that. I mean, I had a CT scan, an MRI scan, none of that found it. Really? Sorry, yeah, which is kind of worrying. So how long, over what time period? Here. Right. It literally was a year. So from you had cancer, prostate cancer for a year. They just didn't find it. I had, well, I'd obviously had it longer than that because right. the symptoms were a year before I... What were the symptoms? Uh, basically, when I was in the jungle, yeah. I involuntarily just wet myself. So right. when we were doing all the stuff, it just happened. And it was the weirdest sensation because I'd just been for a wee on the boat before we got off the boat to start running around the jungle. So I had an empty bladder. And you know when you need to go to the toilet, it wasn't a case of, oh, I can't hold it. It was a case of there was nothing in my bladder as far as I was concerned. Yeah. But I had a massive wee twice in about two minutes. And you know, we think, this That's isn't right. right. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it happened to me about four or five times. And we were unlucky because we were filming in that particular part of South America. There's a fish over there. Just screams up the, your yeah. 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 Motherfucker. Is that where he is? Yeah. That thing gives me nightmares. Yeah. Well, that's what I said to her. I said, it's happened again. I was like, I'm really not comfortable with this. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Is so, that when you spoke to the doctor yeah. there? The doc- I mean, he gave me a urine test, no urine infection, nothing like that. But, you know, we had no equipment over there to test it. Of course, it. yeah. He'd have never found it anyway. Cause it took yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He just straight did that. Yeah. I didn't want it. Shouldn't have taken my trousers down yeah. first. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine, yeah. Your hand's already down there, mate. But it is. I mean, the key is that PSA test. That's what, The number was too high and they couldn't shift it. They couldn't drop it. Nothing would change it. So right. it's that case of, let's give you a biopsy, which is obviously a, a proper operation so they don't do it 
Does that have any lasting effect, the biopsy? No, none at all. Oh, it's no. just an operation. So they knock you out for 20 minutes, half an hour, and you just feel groggy for a day. That's it. Right. There's no scars. They don't cut you open. They go, I think they go yeah, through one of your natural orifices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh interesting. Yeah, up your backside. Oh, so okay. it's not that bad. But I had the other one, which was horrendous. Yeah. Oh, the thought of it. No, I can't think about that. The night That's before. <laughs> yeah. This is where my wife was great. She's just like, what... I remember the doctor saying, we'll, we'll give you this camera, your yeah, private yeah. parts. When can you do it? And I'm like, oh, maybe a month's time. She's like, tomorrow. <laughs> maybe we'll next year. Tomorrow, it's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it. That's yeah. the, yeah, that, yeah, the yeah. build-up for that was quite... I think certainly like prostate is one of those um, cancers that doesn't get talked about enough because yeah. of those reasons, right? Yeah. And also men can be fucking stubborn. Yeah. Um, but... It is pre it is prevalent among younger people, isn't it? It's more so than you were probably aware of. I yeah. mean, you could say when I went to the urology department, everyone's in their seventies and eighties. But as you look into it, there's a lot of people in there yeah. on their thirties and forties who have been affected, like like particularly with breast cancer as well for women. If you get it early enough, then the, then the, you don't have to have chemotherapy or radiotherapy. It's an operation, and if it's all out, then you're you should be okay. Yeah. So it's a relatively easy one to treat but it's also the biggest killer it's of a kill yeah it's really right. i think yeah. it's overtaken breast cancer in women it's the biggest killer of in, in, of that sort of thing yeah uh, in men it's every 45 minutes it's linked in with the football it's somebody dies of prostate Christ. cancer it's horrendous um so again it's just a i mean you if you, you say you're going to the lure you know something's not right it's just a matter of finding what it is yeah um and it's that's one of the symptoms but it might be something else, mm. you know, it could be a bladder issue, it could be all sorts, but once, you know, it's not embarrassing. It is, you know, you've got a, hopefully a professional doctor doing all the tests. You just got to Yeah, I guess the tough thing for some people is that like, um, you see a doctor and quite often, I mean, they're, that's, they're stretched anyway. So yeah. you go and see someone and they go just like I have. And they're like, yeah, stop drinking alcohol and caffeine. Yeah. You'll, you'll be fine. Or like just train yourself to not go so much. It's like it's, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's easier said than done, right? Yeah, it doesn't. And I had the same thing. I was lucky. I had the letter from Sunday, the doctor. But I said, just give me the blood test, please, and then mm. we'll go from there. Um, I mean, a blood test is easy. It's, you know, go to see the nurse. It's a two-minute job, and three or four days later, you'll have the numbers back. Yeah. And then they'll see. You know, just because you're young doesn't mean that you haven't got it. Yeah. And, you know, and you can't take a risk with people's health like that. You can't like, say, stop drinking alcohol, stop drinking tea. It's, you can't, I don't think you can train your body to not, if you need to go to the loo, you need to go to the loo. Yeah. Then you, I mean, I, you just do. So, mm. yes, you can improve it slightly, you can take your mind off it, you can do all these things, but you're looking at increasing it by a few minutes. You know, you're not going to stop, you're desperate for a wee. You're not going to wait half an hour, are you? You're going to wait maybe no. two or three minutes. There's nothing worse as well than really oh. needing to go and then you And can't. if you know you can't go, like you're in the car, it's the worst yeah. thing in the world. Isn't it? It's like, yeah. I need to be like now. I had a car journey six or seven months ago. My phone had run, it was in a traffic jam. Phone had run out of battery and the radio wasn't working and I needed a piss. I call that the triple combo. <laughs> the <laughs> trifecta of pain. And you, I couldn't, there's nowhere to go. So I had a bottle? No, I had no bottle. Oh, had to I was, sit it out I was in an Uber New York going yeah. to the airport so, and I was literally there's two or three colleagues so I need to go to the Wii so warned the guy so I need to think about a toilet stop and of course no Uber driver wants to do all yeah, that yeah. do they but fortunately he didn't I, I was 
the closest on the edge. I've ever been. The pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't walk, you can't hurry. Yeah. yeah. It was just for the relief. Worse than childbirth, I'm told. 100%. Yeah. Well, 100%, yeah. They go back for childbirth. It can't be that bad. <laughs> if it was that bad, they'd only ever have one child. I'm never going yeah. back to that car journey. No. I can't. That's you do. You've got to be careful with these things because, yeah, yeah. But, but definitely prostate cancer. You know, we do. It's a funny subject, all of these things, but it's dead. Yeah. Serious. You've got to listen to your body and all that side of things. And it, it's worth, for the sake of a blood test, it's definitely worth getting yeah. checked. 100%. Yeah. But I'm going to do, I'm going to ring him today. Get yourself booked in. I am. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's yeah, the thing is, just because you're in a low risk age doesn't mean you haven't got it. It just means the risk is less. Yes. Yeah. Someone's going to get it yeah, at your age. I had it. Mm. I mean, I was 44 when I was diagnosed. I probably had it when I was 41, 42, because it can be a slow growing one. Mm. So I could have had it in my late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. Having no history in the family, none of these things. Yeah, yeah. Explain that to me then. Yeah. yeah. There is no explanation. Yeah. yeah. You know? There's got, even if it's one in a thousand, there's still got to be one. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth checking. I'd, I'd rather know what I've got and deal with it rather than let Put it worry it me and stuff. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So all the way through um, your, your treatment and before the op and stuff, did you always kind of remain that sort of nonchalant reaction to having cancer? Just kind of like... Yeah. Yeah, it, it really still changed. doesn't bother me, really. Right. No, I mean, I remember... You didn't start um, considering your own mortality and all that kind of thing? And I wasn't scared to die. No. Really? No, absolutely, 100%. It was one of those things where you kind of think, well, what's the worst that can happen? You could die. Yeah. Right. Is that Has that kind of always been your outlook as a person anyway? Or No. No, I mean, with the children... Um, you kind of live for your kids and the thought of not seeing them and that side of things, you can't even really equate to. So yeah. I knew it was an unhealthy thing, but, you know, it's a, it's a painful process every day to, to have lost a child and yeah. to, to think, well, you know, you can, I can definitely, not that I ever get to the point of thinking about my own, taking my own life, for example, but I can understand how people get to the point of taking or thinking about it. I really can. Yeah. Um, because things are, you know, there's some very, very dark days, and there's still dark days. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not a recovery thing that happens and just lasts forever. There's, yeah, and you move on. You, yeah, you, you know, as you come to significant things, and say, even like this morning, going to that yeah, service station. Yeah, things that remind you, yeah. Yeah, there's all these, it's often the little things. It can be a song, it can be someone who walks a little bit like James, or a situation where I was with him, and, and it seems like you've kind of forgot, I'd forgotten about that, because it was in that old life, but as soon as I was there back there, I could have it could have happened yesterday. Yeah, of course, I remembered yeah. where I was parked. I remember the weather. Yeah, all these things. It's crazy, isn't it? Just comes back. All to of those memories are buried, sort of deep within your subconscious yeah. somewhere. Like you've probably everything done that on is. Purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You sort of barricaded it back there, and and then you are, and but then you have to smile about it. I mean, I got there and I smiled, and you know, it's good to have. You just got to for us. The memory is all we've got. So. Yeah. I mean, James was nearly 23 when he died, and that's, you know, I had James, I was 18, my wife, Sharon, she was 17 when we, so we had him very young, he's been part of our lives forever. Uh, and I wouldn't be the person I am today, and nor would she without our children. They they made us 
good people. We were kids basically when they came. Yeah, you know, yeah. immature. Yeah, you eighteen. Know, I was that eighteen. Is young. I mean, you know, remember what you're like at eighteen? You are a kid, aren't you? As a bloke, yeah. it's pathetic. Full, the things you can't hand. You know, you full can't. Full dickhead do. at eighteen. Hundred percent. You see him now, don't they? <laughs> you see him now at that age, and you think, oh, good god. No one's like, equipped oh. to be having a child then, really. No. Surely that. So you must no, grow up. There's a lot of growing up very quickly, and but it, the kids. How made my daughter, she will, she'll be 28 this year. Right. So she was, uh, I was 20 when she was born. Right. So we had two kids. I was 20 and Sharon was 19. But it was, we're, you know, they're great. I cannot, I know everyone thinks their kids are great, but my kids are just amazing. Yeah. They are wonderful human beings and they've had a positive impact on the world. Yeah. And they've had a positive impact on other people. And that's all you want from your kids. Yeah. So they have a positive, they do good. They know the difference between what they should and shouldn't do and, and they're both fantastic human beings uh, proud dad yeah good on you well that's what we want you know that's all you can do isn't it bring good people into this world and yeah. love them and cherish them and try and give them the opportunity to to have a great life and yeah. that's what we've tried that's what we've tried to do but yeah to then lose one of them having invested so much love into them is it's brutal you know yeah. it is brutal and it remind we get reminded of it Every day, every hour, probably sometimes every minute, you know, it's there's just those little things that catch you. And yeah. Whatever it happens to be, most of the time you can smile about it, but sometimes it just you can't. It's like squeezing you. Yeah, you know that that <clears throat> feeling you get when I I I associate a little bit to when we were kids and you knew you were going back to school after the summer holidays on the Sunday night when you had bath day, that feeling of Dread. Dread, yeah. Horrific kicks. Last, I still, you when I hear Last it, of the Summer Wine theme tune, oh, that I is so still true. remember that. Because yeah. that was Sunday night, well, yeah. That That's was bath life was a heartbeat as well. Yeah. Yeah. That used to get me. That's heartbeat, life, yeah. all these things, and you think, tomorrow I'm back to school. Yeah. Is that, and you can taste the dread. Yeah. That's the feeling. You know the funny life. thing was? When it got to school, happy as Larry. Yeah. It's the dread, isn't it? It's yeah. The, I mean, once you're in with your mates, it's fine. It's just that thought, oh, God. It's the teachers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That side of things, you know. Not that they're like they used to be. But, All uh, the learning to be done. Remembering yeah. stuff. Homework, yeah, homework was my Doing thing, it. yeah. Oh. Homework now, like, just because, so I, we had a son a uh, year or so, he's a year, um, 23rd of this month. Mm. And th- thinking about homework going forward and stuff like that, like, I fully disagree with homework. Mm. So I'm not looking forward to that one at all. Like, Freaking homework in primary school and stuff. What are you talking primary about? School. I think so. Oh my god! Why are you sending him? Yeah. Well, he's not going to school yet, but I'm, I know yeah, other kids yeah, yeah. that are in primary school yeah, that have yeah. things to do when they get home. It's like piss off. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I was terrible. It was literally the day before sort of stuff. I did zero homework. I don't know how I ever got. I got to A levels. I got to A levels somehow and literally done nothing for a year. And they sort of said to me. We can't keep you doing that. A level maths. I remember saying, "You can't. You've done literally nothing for a year. You've done nothing at all." I don't like, see the problem, Miss. Yeah. And. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Yeah. It's a, yeah. Call me lazy. Yeah. yeah, it's just a natural gift. Yeah. It was, but yeah, some people are academic. Some people, great. Yeah. It didn't really interest me. Yeah. You know, you need to. I mean, we, and then you look back and you think, if only. If only I'd paid more attention. Mm, yeah. If only I knew the difference between there, there, there and there, those different ones is like the ERE and the EIR. I still think now. <laughs> I know it's important, but I couldn't really care less. Yeah, is it? Yeah. So, no. Is it? Not nowadays with no. the gift of the old corrective thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. so you've got all this fun to come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ephraim, where can people um, find out more information about strong men? 
Website is uh, www.strongmen.org.uk. There's loads of information on there. Say we've got some merchandise we sell. You can register to come on a, a future retreat. There's a donation page. There's a little bit of a bio about everyone connected with it. There's some information on the talks. We give loads of stuff on there. Uh, so please, yeah, have a look. We've got the usual social media stuff on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. People can follow us. And yeah. Anyone? Do you need do you need volunteers on your retreats as well? We don't at the well, moment. We're kind of covered on that. Yeah, we're covered on that at the moment. We've got like a core Anything team for a free trip. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from the wife yeah. and the kids. Um, so we've got that side of it covered. Going forwards, we probably will do, but we're not at the stage yet where we've got multiple things running. So we yeah. keep it nice and you know nice and whatever the word is compact. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And it's fine on that respect. Excellent. But yeah, anyone donations, fundraising, all this stuff. We'd love to have some help. Love it. Mm. Nice one. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Cheers, Ephraim. Cheers, guys. Peace. All right. Thank you, Ephraim. Uh, a heavy, heavy subject. Um, and kudos to Ephraim and uh, to Dan to 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 starting something that's that's very important to them. Um, very bold, I think, to to throw yourself into something like that, and even just for for doing things like they've done, getting up and, and pushing yourself to, to keep going after you've been through something as horrific as, um, as both of them have. So, yeah, absolutely love what they're doing. So please check them out, strongmen.org, uh, strongmen.org UK on Instagram. Smaller charities can often get overlooked, like Ephraim was saying, that some of the bigger charities have got a lot of money in the bank and they're not really... Um, prepared a lot of these big charities to collaborate with each other which is madness to me because if, if it's all for the same cause then absolutely why not if your mission is to help them people um, that your charity is to serve then why not collaborate with other charities but whatever so if you're looking for a fundraiser or you know someone that might benefit from from the strong men uh, charity and the work they're doing anyone that's suffering after bereavement in any way uh, please give them a thought, give them some cash, get going. Uh, there's definitely something about bereavement um, triggering depression, I think. I think it's quite a common thing for after a loss, people can, can spiral into depression. Um, and not just that, even if they're not spiraling into a depression, just uh, the heaviness of bereavement is something that if you come together with other people that have gone through that the exact same thing, I think there's a huge power in that, particularly if you're then adding in a bit of exercise and getting outside like these guys are doing. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, get involved. Also, a bit of homework. Please check out the TED Talk that me and Chris were talking about because I think it's a very interesting subject. The way we think about charity is dead wrong. I'd encourage Ephraim to watch that as well. Um, it's about paying people, paying talented people, attracting skillful people, uh, to charities so they can continue doing good work and paying them well for it. Controversial subjects, so please check it out. Let me know what you think. Please check them out. Blah, blah, blah. You know the score. Much love. See you all soon. <laughs>